Oh my goodness, guys. It's been so long since I've recorded a podcast. Forgive me, but life happens. Um, I have been um, uh, trying to focus on some goals that I had. Um, One of them was to become an entrepreneur. Um, I've gotten really into fitness, as you guys heard in my first few podcasts. And so I partnered up with a nutritional company called Herbalife. And, you know, there were a lot of moving pieces within that that I wanted to learn. I'm also in the process of um, starting my own business and actually becoming a personal trainer. So um, I was working on my certification and kind of honing on focusing on that. And then I'm a mom, you know, I'm a single mom. My son, you know, real life happened. My son has been having some behavioral issues um, just to be open and transparent. And I was just trying to figure out how to aid him in that. Um, One of the things that, you know, um, me and the group of single mothers that um, I have been blessed with to have in my life, you know, we're there to support and love each other. But, you know, you have those moments where you're just like, oh, I wish there was more I can do. I wish there was more support I could have. Um, Because, again, when you're a single mom raising kids alone and you and they don't have a father figure you have those questions like oh I need I would like for them to have a father figure or have like some type of uh, circle of people that can be around to support them and give them you know a different aspect of love and attention and kind of just like ease your ease the stressors I mean again everybody has lives or everybody has like things that happen and sometimes you know the thing about when you have more than one parent in the household or more than one person there to to support the those children it's like you kind of alleviate that extra stress on that one person so you know I know statistics say that kids do a lot better in you know two parent households but you know a village definitely can aid in helping those kids you know, get to wonderful places in their lives. I mean, we know a ton of people that came from single parent homes that have been amazing. But again, when you're going through it and you're going through challenges with your kids, you're just like, Lord, help me. Why? So, you know, just trying to figure things out with him, uh, figure out this life of entrepreneurship, which I'm loving. I've learned so much and it's even opened my eyes to a different level of motivation. I've tapped into listening to Eric Thomas, um, Les Brown. Um, it's, it's just been so many people that I've been listening to and motivational speakers that have just been speaking life to me. I mean, these people don't know me, but it's like just hearing, um, their stories and hearing you can do it. You can, you know, hearing that, you know, winners don't make excuses. They make adjustments. It's like, if something is off, you adjust to it. You don't just make excuses and say, Oh, I'm not going to do it because of that. So you know, I, I definitely have been really tapping into that and kind of just um, figuring out this life of entrepreneurship. And it's been amazing. Like the journey has been challenging, but also been amazing. But again, also juggling that with single motherhood and being a career mother. You know, I'm in the military full time, so I'm doing that and just trying to balance it all. So I'm really excited to kind of get back into the podcast. Um, so that's been going. That's what's been up with me these past few months. I'm really excited. I have so many different ideas in my head and one of the biggest things I want to do is kind of give back and use my life experiences to motivate and help others so um, I'm really happy to kind of jump back on here focus on here uh, focus on different topics um, and kind of just jump back in there with you know you beautiful listeners so uh, yeah I'm excited y'all well so What I want to talk about today is um, one of the um, new journeys that I want to embark in, um, and it's tied to public speaking. 
So my story is long. I mean, there's so many different layers to it. Um, but one of the biggest things that, you know, as we have all seen that's happening on the news is the Me Too movement. So within the Me Too movement, you know, you hear about sexual assault, you know, women being, and men too, they're being touched inappropriately. They're being, it's kind of like a quid pro quo. Hey, if you sleep with me or if you let me do these things, I'll hook you up. And it kind of turned into like a big, like a big thing. I mean, a lot of careers have been ruined. A lot of men and women, mainly men, have been kind of put on the forefront. And it's changed a lot of these, you know, like, for instance, like Russell Simmons. Like, you, we know of Russell Simmons, of who he is today. But the Russell Simmons of the past seemed like he was a wild dude. But again, this is all based off of, you know, the, the um, allegations that have come up on him. And the thing is, like, me and my homegirl were talking about, we were like, huh. So... Does your past really dictate like how you're seen? So say you met a woman or say you met a guy and found out that they had a rape case back in the day. Say you met a chick and say she was a who knows, like a quote unquote, you know, hoe back in the day. What if you heard she was a scammer back in the day? And for someone like Russell Simmons from the outside looking to get in, and again, this is just my opinion, from the outside looking in. He seemed like he's a different man. He's doing, he's a vegan. He's doing, like he's tapped into yoga. And back in the 80s, he might have been that wild boy. He might have done those things that those ladies have, you know, stated he did. But just imagine, just put yourself in a place where you, you, that's your homeboy, your homegirl, or someone you're dating. And you find out that, or some people start coming out, or you say they take you back to their old neighborhood, and you walking down the street and they're like, yo, is that so-and-so? Man, she used to be a scammer. She used to used to be a player. Or, hey, yo, there's so-and-so, man. He used to run through chicks. Or, man, he got charges and allegations. He used to, girls used to say he used to touch on them. And he, you know, beat a couple cases. Like, how would you feel about that? How would you feel that the person that you know of today had this wild past? And that's a good question to ask because we all have past. Like, I'm a spiritual person. So as a spiritual person, um, God looks and just knowing how God sees sin, he sees, sees sin all like all on the same playing field. So murder, lying, rape. Um, it could be just a person stealing some batteries or say you walk by, you know, a little vendor and you just grab a shirt and you know you didn't pay for it. Like things like that. All those things to God is like, it's all the same. It's no one is gooder, one is better than the other. I just said good idea. One is worse than the other. It's all the same in God's eyes. But to us as individuals, as people on the earth, we look at um, different things on a different level. Like someone might not, like you might not think stealing is as big of a deal. I might think stealing is like the worst. If you ever steal just a penny, I'm done. But some people might be like, oh, it's all right if you, you know, take a couple dollars. Ain't no big. It just depends on the individual. So put yourself in that mindset of if you really heard about someone's past, does that dictate who they are in the future? Should you look at them differently? Because do you think change can truly happen in someone's life? Could they be changed? Could they look? Could they be different? This could be the old Russell. And now the new Russell has, you know, would never do anything like that. So put yourself in that mindset real quick and really think about that. 
think about, let me step away from this relationship or let me just judge this person as they are. They've been open and honest. They say they were open and honest and tell you what happened. Do you step away or do you keep that friendship or that relationship? So in saying all that, I just want to tell you a story about my life. Um, It's nothing that, you know, I need empathy or sympathy for, but this is just my life. And this is what has kind kind of made me really want to get out there and tell my story so I can help people. And I had a conversation with my parents yesterday uh, because before I did this, I wanted to let them know what I was going to do because this is on, you know, this is on the level of some, you know, as some people, and I can only speak for black families. I'm from an African family. I'm, a, I'm West African. But in, in African-American um, communities, one of the things they talk about is a lot of the stuff that happens within our community is buried. It's not talked about. There are a lot of people who are walking around and their uncle has done some stuff. They might have molested a girl, their cousin. It's maybe the maybe the father themselves, maybe the mother themselves have done some things within the family. Nobody talks about it, but most of everybody knows what happened. And it's kind of like the hidden secret and everybody functions and, and comes to events or maybe they don't show up at, at events, but it's not talked about. It's like a hidden secret. It's a stain. Like I saw a video of a girl and I might be a little late with all these topics because I've been gone. But um, I remember seeing something on the gram um, and it was in the shade on the shade room and somebody shared it. And it was a young lady and I believe her uncle molested her and some um, somebody else. And she was just like, you know, she was at some type of event for the family and they were just sitting there eating. And she's just like, man, I can't believe this guy just up here eating just comfortable and he was going around, you know, molesting and doing all these things, inappropriate things to us for all these years. And he could, you know, he has a nerve to be sitting here just eating and just having a good old time. So she was recording this and she walked right up to him, had the camera in his face, you know, at a nice angle. And she was just like, basically called him out. Like, you remember when you did this to me, you did that to me. And he had like a little bib, little tucked in napkin and his shirt and everything. And she just blew his spot. It was like, you did this to me and you sit here just, you just going to sit here just eating. I mean, he was, he was grubbing y'all. He was, he was enjoying that meal. I think he had some mac and cheese about the, like on the plate and she called him out. And it's like, why is this within our communities? Why, why? And, and again, I, I don't know everybody's family. I know in some certain, and I'm not saying the entire black community is like this. And I'm, and I hear this stories. In other, you know, in other ethnicities, like they're there within their little bubble, white, Asian, there's certain things with certain families you don't talk about. But again, I can only speak for my community and what I've heard and what I've experienced. Why is it that people get and I feel like it's tied into embarrassment, embarrassment. Why is it that you do know? Like back to the whole conversation of, yeah, you might know this person, um, who they are today, but back in the day they molested some family members or they did these things in the past. Um, and I'm, I'm sure people change and they, you know, beat those feelings. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not a, someone that has ever done that or ever thought about doing that. But the thing is, it's like, why in certain communities is it, or within families, it's harder to kind of be like, okay, this isn't okay. Why is it just brushed over? 
Why is it in certain communities or in certain families you don't talk about it? Because I believe it sets a cycle for whoever was impacted by that. It sets like a cycle of I was talking to um, um, a girl, a business partner of mine, Ariana Scott. She's a part of the business I'm under. And she said she made a great point, like. How do we learn about boundaries as children or as young people when someone can do something like that to you and your family can just ignore it and tell you to keep pushing? So what that creates is a cycle of you not knowing boundaries. You it, it creates a cycle of people can treat you a certain way and you can let it slide because that's what you've seen growing up. You've seen your family show you that someone can hurt you and it's OK to just, you know, ignore it and keep pushing. So, I mean, that's a great question. Great question is like, why in families is it so hard? Or I'm sure it's shocking because it's right in your face and it's right there in front of you. But there's so many hidden secrets and this happens so so much in a lot of uh, family type of situations that is pretty surprising. And um, as we listened to recently, like for instance, Kobe Bryant won an Oscar and it was brought up like, oh, what about that, you know, sexual assault allegation he had with him? And people were at an uproar like, oh my gosh, in the Me Too movement, I can't believe Kobe Bryant won an Oscar. And it's just like, wait, you know, what about the other factors in that situation? But he was called out um, and many other instances you know, you have these celebrities and people on these platforms that are being called out for their actions. But why is it um, in our own households when it's an uncle, a cousin, it's a friend, it's, you know, somebody that is um, like within that circle? It's like, I'm sure it's, it's shocking because, again, it's like right there in your doorstep. But what are we teaching our kids or the person that's harmed if we just bury it? What are we? We can be on a, in an uproar to call out Kobe, the Kobe Bryant. And and again, you know, in the Me Too movement, you know, they look at it with people who have predatory behavior. So for me, and this is just my opinion, I don't feel he falls within that realm of Harvey Weinstein and all these other people that have literally used their power to try to get sexual favors, try to ruin careers and threaten people and, you know, kind of just have this kind of attitude like, well, I have all this clout and if you don't ob- oblige to my request, you will, your career is affected, which is not right. And those predatory folks, I just don't think can be compared to Kobe Bryant. But again, that's my opinion to each his own. I just don't think it's the same type of thing, you know? And then you also have to ask the question to yourself, like, what if you were really close to someone and come to find out, you find out that they had a sexual assault allegation or they actually might've been charged. And maybe it's been decades or times later. Would you look at the person different? Would you be like, oh man, I can't roll with you anymore. You might be like, oh man, you can't come to any more family events because you're going to be around my kids. Like, how would you treat that situation? So it's kind of like when it's right there in your face, how do you handle it? You know, why are why these family secrets buried? And then, you know, say the person is shunned and they're sent away, but they're still coming to the family events. 
Oh my goodness, guys, I'm so excited to share this great opportunity for you. So if you guys didn't know, if you Googled the statistics on mortality, it is, it is crazy to find out that mortality rates are high in the area of heart disease. And if anybody you know or anybody that you're aware of has a family member that has like a heart disease related type of issue, where it be um, high blood pressure, where it is you've had family members or know of someone that has family members that has had a stroke, or you've had someone that diabetes, you hear a lot, a lot about that within um, many communities and the epidemic and how overweight this um the united states has become is just really alarming i mean we have pretty much the most we're pretty much the most overweight country in the world and that's you know if you look at the portion size and how it's changed from the 40s to the 60s to now it's pretty much maybe doubled and tripled over time and that's why it's really really important that heart health is important this and i'm sure you've heard 80 percent nutrition 20% exercise. For me, I used to be 250 pounds. Yes, I was 250 pounds. My parents were immigrants. They were at work all the time. So a lot of times when we ate, me and my brother, it'll be fat. It was fast food. So I grew up a very pretty heavy set girl. And even as an adult, you know, I kind of got so wrapped up with work and neglected myself that I gained all of this weight. So I worked out and worked out and worked out and I lost, you know, I I lost like an initial initial 20 to 25 pounds, but that was like my nutrition wasn't really on point. So I hit a plateau and I'm like, man, I've been doing so great. I've built this muscle, lean mass. Why can't I go beyond 250 pounds? And then I was introduced to Herbalife and I used the products and listen, within a week, I had already started seeing ab definition and then I used that. And in literally three to four weeks, I was down an additional 20 pounds. Yes, 20 pounds. So I'm excited because my BMI went down. And when your BMI is lower, that means you're less acceptable to those type of diseases. And that's what the BMI basically tells you. It kind of tells you what type of diseases you may or may not have. So it's amazing. These products, really what it is, is that if you're having, if your BMI is high, please contact me and I'll get you a free wellness wellness um, review. And what we'll look at is look at what your BMI is, what kind of meal plan is great for you and get you started on a plan is very easy. You're going to hit all your targets. You're going to fill in all those gaps of based off of the nutrition plan that you have. So I'm really, really excited. So please email me journeyfitnesslove at gmail.com and let's get you ready and get you ready for the summer. So let's get to the meat of it, but just to t- tell you guys briefly my story, um, like, a, like many of you know, um, I'm West African, so um, I was actually born in a country called um, Sierra Leone, and it's a town called Freetown, which is, it has amazing history because it was like one of those um, um, countries created for uh, free slaves, um, but Google that. <laughs> and I'll share more about that later. Um, but that is where I was born. And um, I was being molested as a child for some time. Um, it probably started around five, six years old. Um, but it was happening for a while. My parents had hired a couple guys to work on the grounds and they lived there. And um, what they didn't know is that I was being molested um, by these individuals. Um and I, I, 
from my perspective, I felt it went on for a while because it just became the norm for me. Um, again, the little pieces I remember of it, I just know it was, it was a norm. I don't know how long it was going on, but it was definitely the norm. And, um, my nanny actually caught one of them, um, in, in the act. And I just remember sitting on the couch with my sister and a friend and they asked me like what happened. And in my, you know, childish five, six-year-old, you know, way of expressing what happened. I was just like, oh, well, he put his thing on my thing. And um, so-and-so caught him. And it's like, now that I think about it, it's like, thank God she did. Um, because what would it, who knows what would have happened if she did not walk in. But my father was standing, um, we lived in a three-story house. So no, I didn't live in a jungle, y'all. I know people know that now, but... In the eighties and nineties, you know, it's like what jungle you live, what hut did you live in? It's like no, I lived in a house. But anyway, we were in a three-story house, so they were by the steps, and he had his bags packed. And I remember my dad just being furious and just talking to him with like I just saw a lot of hand movements, and you could tell my dad was angry. And um, you know, he was sent away. I don't know what happened to him after that. Um, the other guy, I didn't really say anything about him. Um, and it's just one of those things that was kind of like it happened and it was buried. And yes, we talk about mental health and how important that is and getting therapy. But again, we're thinking about the 80s and 90s. We're thinking about another country and to think about, oh, I need to put my daughter through therapy because she was sexually abused. And for how long? It just wasn't on the brains. And I'm sure it might not be on the brains for many now, but it just wasn't. So it was kind of like it happened. It was handled and let's keep moving. But I was left with a stain. So for me, I just had to like just continue on from there. But, um, you know, it took a while for me to understand. Um, I did um, take a course in um, through church just to kind of like touch on it from the spiritual side, because, you know, what happened, um, like I said, it leaves a stain It leaves something that's like lingering there. But, you know. Although a child might be five, six years old, they were still exposed to like sexual acts. They were still exposed to something that um, most people don't get exposed to until maybe, you know, when they become a teen, um, you know, whenever your first possible sexual experience or puberty, that's when you you have those feelings. But just imagine a five, six year old, like trying to figure out what these feelings are. What are these weird, you know, you've been exposed to sex. You've been exposed to the same feelings because your body is going to function the way the body functions. And I know for a while I thought like, how could a five-year-old, because in my head, I was thinking like a five-year-old, you know, can't, I guess, feel pleasure, but I'm wrong because again, the body functions how it functions. So I just didn't, I couldn't grasp that for a while. Like that doesn't make any sense to me until you really look at the mechanics of your body and how it works. So just again, imagine a child like exposed to sexual behavior and, you know, they just have to function with these different weird urges. And um, again, thinking about the time, it was kind of like something buried. It wasn't like, hey, did anything else happen? Was anybody else involved? And I'm pretty sure that's why it was never like, hey, so-and-so also was involved because 
it was kind of like, let's keep it moving. So my thing is like, I challenge you is like, not you, but if you have kids, um, it's kind of like raising awareness of why do we keep these secrets within our families? Why do we just kind of like when it's close to home, why certain things just buried and not talked about? Um, because of who it may or may not be, um, you know, because it even, um, as I got older, I was abused again by a family member, a distant family member, and it was handled in the same manner. But, you know, I was older, you know, I was probably what in middle school at the time and same thing happened. It was handled. They got, they were taken away and that was it. So, um, like, um, I was discussing with, um, a young lady that's a part of the group with me, the team with me, she was saying like, how as kids do you learn boundaries? You learn boundaries in many ways, but what kind of boundaries do you think I'm learning by seeing people, um, like watching how people who do wrong can get away with it? And I'm really excited because I'm actually going to have a special, um, the next podcast is going to be really special because I'm going to have a guest on. Yay. We're going to kind of delve deeper on the whole boundaries piece, which I got from her. Again, her name is Ariana Scott. She's an amazing woman. Um, Again, she's a part of the team that I'm with helping people get um, fit and helping people with their nutrition plans, but making a major impact in the Houston, Texas area. So I'm really excited to have her on next time. And again, we'll delve deeper deeper on boundaries, but it's kind of like, you know, you learn boundaries as a child from watching your surroundings. So again, like I was saying before, if you are constantly seeing a pattern that I'm pretty sure that as parents, you know, I have two kids. Um, Some people might not have any children, but um, even if, you know, you're around your sisters or whomever, if, you know, someone younger is kind of watching certain things happen and there's no boundary set, it's just kind of like people can do you wrong and you can just keep it pushing and not address it, you know, that might have a ripple effect on how you, like what you may or may not allow um, as you continue to grow up. And I found that being like a pattern in my life, like people could did me wrong. And I was finding myself like with a lot of heartbreaks or in situations like, Oh my God, I can't believe they did that because I didn't have those boundaries. Like, it's like when I realized, okay, this probably might not be like the healthiest or the best thing. It was kind of like, okay, let's just, you know, hide it. Let's just sweep it under the rug. But that rug is just piling up and piling up. So, you know, you have to really think about that and think about, with our kids or anybody that we have any type of influence on, what are we showing them when we allow wrong to happen? And again, I'm pretty like my parents, I'm pretty sure they thought they were protecting me. This is again, um, you know how they say like, I want to even say hurt people, hurt people. But if you don't know, you don't know. So this is how a lot of things are handled. Just like I was telling you about the story about the guy that's going to all the family events, but he's known to be a child molester and he's, you know, a family member. And it's just kind of like, well, let's keep pushing, even though uncle, um, you know, uncle Chester's over here, let's keep on pushing. And it's like, you know, how, when are we going to push this me too movement within our households? within our communities, where it is right next door, where it is that friend or that somebody that you know is a bit of a creep or that someone that you know might have had a past of something. Like, when is it going to be like, okay, we need to do something about this instead of keeping it a secret. So, but again, we'll talk more later. Um, 
you know, for me to be open and express this, I know it's, it will serve a bigger purpose. So even though I'm like super nervous to put it out there, I know the sir, you know, what is going to help people talk about is going to be impactful. God bless.